Our New Testament reading is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, they did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Praise be to God for his word. Thank you for your grace to us this morning. We thank you for the mystery and the message of Christmas, the miracle of Christmas. We thank you for all those gathered in this building. Thank you for every family present here. We ask, O oh Lord, that you'd give us understanding of your word. And as we leave this place, we will go out with hearts filled with gratitude for Jesus, for his birth, for his work, for his ministry on the cross. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, friends, once again. Good morning, boys and girls. How many of you are really excited about your presents to go home and open your presents this morning? Yes, I see a few adults raising their hands. So what about the boys and girls? Have you already opened up your presents? Yeah, well, some of us have. We have a tradition in our home that we sit around the table on the 24th evening, we have a few bites. In fact, yesterday I had a nice Indonesian curry, actually. It was quite nice. And we open up our presents, we give to one another, and we uh, think about Christmas and what Christ means to us, the glorious message of Christmas. Uh, because it is a time to celebrate, a time to give thanks to God. Now, if you've been following the news lately, sometime late Friday 21st December, according to the ancient um, Mayan prophecy, the world was going to end. Well, if the Mayans were correct, it was happy doomsday on the 21st of December. Well, clearly, the world did not end. The prophecy was not fulfilled. And thankfully, we are still here and we can celebrate Christmas today. But as I was reading the news, um, one of the local papers, um, I came across another bold prophecy regarding the end of the world. And this prophecy is by this guy. You recognize his face there? Russian President, Vladimir Putin. And this is what he says. I know when the world will end. This is 
uh, the president saying, according to Putin, Russia's president, the chief prophecy maker, the world still has, get this, 4.5 billion years to go before it ends. I don't think we, I don't think we need to worry about that, right? I don't worry about that. No, that's his take. That's his prophecy. See, people come up with all kinds of prophecies, don't they? Uh, can we, and the question for us is, can we really trust these prophecies? It depends on the source. Can the source be trusted? Now, friends, this morning we read of a prophecy given hundreds of years ago about a child to be born to a virgin. Was this prophecy fulfilled? And if so, what was the purpose of it? Well, let's see if this prophecy actually was fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 1, the passage we read this morning, we read of two people, Mary and Joseph, and the birth of a baby. Chapters 1, chapter 2 in the Gospel of Luke. Mary and Joseph were a couple pledged to be married. Here is a beautiful, beautiful love story. We all love, I'm sure, we all enjoy reading a fantastic love story, right? Uh, Here's a story between Mary and Joseph, a young couple. They loved each other so deeply. They were planning to get married. The plans were well underway. Joseph loved Mary. As a young teenage girl, she would have been looking beautiful, and Joseph fell in love with her. Uh, Seen her many times, perhaps in the synagogue, wherever it was, and he loved her. Had fallen in love with her at a young age. And this this love affair was very deep. All the plans, as I said, were underway for their wedding. And imagine the excitement for Joseph to have his sweetheart, Mary, as his wife. I mean, really excited. But then there's a massive issue that confronts Joseph. He finds his wife to be pregnant. Questions. As Mary slept with another guy. As Mary cheated on Joseph. What would Joseph do? I asked the guys here this morning, if you're dating a girl and you plan to get married, and you got all the wedding plans, you've done the invitations, you've done all the planning and preparation, and suddenly you find that your wife-to-be is pregnant. What, what would you do? What would you do as guys here? I suspect that any guy here this morning would be absolutely devastated, right? You would be, wouldn't you? Somebody say yes. Right? You'll feel absolutely betrayed. You'll feel broken. I think you'll feel embarrassed. I'm sure you will feel angry, hurt, disappointed, frustrated. Many questions perhaps going through your mind. And Joseph would have had to deal with all of his emotions to make a decision. Should he go ahead with the marriage? He decides that he will divorce her quietly even before he actually got married to her. Now, that's a question here. See, someone might ask, well, why is he going to divorce her when he had actually not got married to her? Well, in those days, the marriage process was a long one. When one is engaged, at the time, it was as if you were married. And the only thing is that you don't live together. You didn't live together until the wedding day. And we read in the Bible that Joseph was a righteous man. He still cared for Mary. He didn't want to to destroy a reputation because he had a true love for her. And God was gracious to Joseph. And God sends an angel uh, to visit Joseph in a dream. You see, these angels, 
these, these angels from God, they were very busy during the time of the birth of Jesus. They were coming from heaven up and down all the time, extremely busy. The angels were excited about what was to take place. And listen to what was going on here in Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So that's what he wanted to do. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And this angel said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, do not be afraid. The child is from the Holy Spirit. This is no ordinary child. And Joseph is called to name the child Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now come with me for a moment to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Uh, here we have another story, another account of uh, the angel visiting Mary. In the sixth month, Luke chapter 1, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Her name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. Again, Joseph, do not be afraid. Mary, do not be afraid. Why? Because you have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and call the son of the most high God. And Mary questions this. And so the angel visits Mary. Do not be afraid. So both Joseph and Mary have visits from the angel about this child. The, 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 the passage tells us, if you look at the Gospels, that both Joseph and Mary submitted to God's plan. Now in Matthew, we read this, in Matthew chapter 1, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him, what's it? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Just remember those words, okay? God with us. We're going to focus on that this morning. And Matthew tells us that the birth of Jesus came about. He tells us how this came about. The word birth that is used here in the original translation is actually the word Genesis. It means origin. And the literal translation will go like this. The origin of Jesus was like this. And Matthew is writing to tell his readers and us that the origin of Jesus is not just here in Bethlehem, but it is from eternity. The origin of Jesus is from heaven itself. That's what we see here. And so Matthew wrote this gospel to, to let his readers know clearly that this child is a special child. In fact, in, in the gospel of Luke chapter 2 and in verse 11, we read this. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So the birth of Jesus was on a real day, at a real time, at a day in history, 
This was not some day, some imaginary mythological story. It was the day when this guy, when this guy Caesar Augustus was emperor of Rome and Quirinius was governor of Syria. So it was a day in history, a definite day. And yet it was not just a historical day. It was more than that. And this day was planned in eternity before the creation of the world. And Matthew gives us this biographical statement about the life and ministry of Jesus directed to the Jewish people and to all of us. Now let me say this. Matthew is a guy who is always referring to the Old Testament. He has put together, if you, look at the, if you read the Gospel of Matthew, over 60 references to the Old Testament events and texts. It included 40 prophecies. And Matthew goes at length to give us the genealogy of Jesus in chapter 1. We are going to read it this morning. And he's continually attempting to make it clear to us that the one born is the one who was prophesied. For example, in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Let me explain. Jesus is his name and Christ is his title. All right? Jesus Christ. The family tree... How many of you actually done work on your family tree? I'm sure. Okay, I see a few hands up here, right? Uh, you probably look where your grandparents have come from and oh, relatives and trying to join all the dots and, and see your family line. We have a genealogy here. Uh, the family tree has to go back to David and from David to Abraham because the promise was made to Abraham back in the book of Genesis hundreds of years before. From Abraham it narrowed to Jesus, uh, to David, and now to Jesus. And actually, one could say that there are four genealogies in the Bible about Jesus Christ. Let me explain. We may think that there are only two, Matthew and Luke, right? Matthew chapter 1 and Luke 3. But there is another genealogy in the Gospel, I think. And this is in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was from the beginning. Right? I think what we see here is we have the genealogy of Jesus from God's perspective. John gives us the genealogy of his deity. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. So we have three genealogies. But I think there is another genealogy, and that is in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we have the exhaustive, numerous prophecies, starting from Adam right through to the end of the book of Malachi, Prophecies about the coming of Jesus. You see, it is one thing to make prophecies, but it is another thing to be fulfilled. It's easy to be a promise maker, but a promise keeper is another thing, right? What we see here is all the prophecies were given, and we come to the book of Malachi, and it stops. And there is 400 years of silence. 400 years. Imagine the questions that would have gone through the people's minds. Will this prophecy come to fulfillment? Will God keep his word? Has God actually lied? Have the prophets lied? Well, Matthew tells us in chapter 1 that that prophecy has come to fulfillment. The burden of Matthew. Matthew's burden is to give us the glorious statement or the fulfillment of God's promises with the birth of Jesus Christ. And all this took place according to God's plan. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Which prophet is this? The virgin will be with child. 
We had the Old Testament reading. It was from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, and you will give, him, uh, give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Is it any wonder then, when Emmanuel was born, heaven went singing. It was the day that caused angels to deeply look into this place at Bethlehem, and a multitude of angels came in. I was reading a commentary to find out what, how many angels would have roughly visited. Well, one of the commentators says it's not hundreds, it's not thousands, it's beyond count. <laughs> Multitudes of angels have left heaven and come down to see the birth of Jesus. Wow! Because they were interested in what was going on there. The Son of God had come. He was born in humble circumstances. And the angels are absolutely interested in what is going on here. And they're singing praises to God. You see, suddenly a multitude, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. It was the day the Savior was born. You know, I got up this morning. I went into my office. I opened up the windows, the curtains, and looked outside. I thought, wow, it's another day. A day to remember what a great, glorious Savior we worship and adore. I said to my wife, Rose, so I just want to thank God that he's given me another Christmas day in my life today to enjoy with family and friends. What a day to celebrate again. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Matthew gives us the meaning of this name, God with us. God is with us, friends. The impossible the, the, the impossible from a human perspective takes place. The Virgin Mary chosen by God gives birth to the Emmanuel Jesus Christ. It's a supernatural conception of Jesus. Jesus had no phys- Joseph had no physical union with Mary. This is the miracle of Christmas, the mystery of Christmas, the marvel of Christmas, and the majesty of Christmas. God kept his word. Prophecy was fulfilled. Emmanuel has come. Just three words. God with us. If you'll forget the entire sermon this morning, which is quite possible you will, right? Just remember three words, all right? At the end of the day, or you visit your friend somewhere and somebody says, Where were you this morning at 9.30? I was at church. What did that guy speak on? Just say, he said lots of things, but I just remember three, three words. God with us, all right? You remember that? God with us. Christmas. Please don't forget it. Three words, they are profound, they are deep, they are personal. God with us, it means the Savior has come. Jesus' life did not begin in the womb of Mary. Jesus is eternally God, the creator without beginning and end. He has come to be with us. He became a human without ceasing to be God. He did not cease to be God when he became a man. He humbled himself. He is the creator entering creation. He is the creator who came to identify with us, to walk among us. He came to seek, to save the lost. He came down to save his enemies from, from sin. You and myself have turned our backs on God. We have rebelled against this God, and God has sent the Savior, the Son of God. Christmas is God sending the Savior. The greatest need for the world is the coming of a Savior. God did not send us a scientist. No offense to any scientist here. He did not send us an accountant. 
Again, no offense. He did not send us a mechanic. We need mechanics. He did not send us an engineer. We need them as well. He sent us a savior. Right? He sent us a savior. Because the savior, he came to die for our sins. There is no other salvation. Saviors, there is no other salvation. There is no other name by which we are saved. No philosophies, no moral codes can save us. Jesus alone saves. He saves us from sin and death. We all need to be saved. We are all by nature and choice sinners. This is the one truth that explains the whole world and our lives. We cannot save ourselves. Only Christ can. He went from the cradle to the cross. And he died for you. He rose from the grave. And is alive again. Now, I don't know, friends, this morning, when you sang that second, that second carol, did you notice it was about the resurrection? Did you notice that? Because our Savior has died and has been raised from the dead. Right? He's the great God. And he came for the brokenhearted, the weak, the sinners, the dying, messed up world that we live in. I mean, we live in a broken world, don't we? Of despair, sorrow, broken hearts, broken relationships. The Christmas message is one of hope. All right? God has not abandoned the world. He's with us. He loves us. And Christmas proves it. He left his home and he's come to be here with us. My question to you this morning is, he came to mend our broken hearts, our relationships. My question to you this morning is, are you his? Do you belong to Jesus? Have you come to Christ in faith? Have you missed the Christ of Christmas? Have you? Are you celebrating? I, I, I met a guy a couple, uh, couple of weeks ago and I said to him, look, I want to invite you to the service. But he, demo- he said, I'll try and come. And I said to him, imagine you have a party. You have a party, your birthday party, right? And everybody comes and ignores you. <laughs> they don't even care to greet you. How would you feel? Now, this guy was uh, doing, doing the lawns, right? He was doing the lawns. So he stopped his lawnmower and said, I would feel terrified if they would do that to me. That's a terrible thing. I said, well, think about it. What do you think about Jesus? Celebrating the birthday of Christ without the birthday boy. (laughs) We can do it, can't we? So I want to encourage you this morning. Friends, Christ has come. He will come. He will come again. That prophecy will be fulfilled. He will come as judge. To those who trust him, he will give you his peace, not mine. He will give you his joy. He will give you his comfort. He will grant you his grace, his presence, his heaven. He will transform your life. You will not be the same. Emmanuel, God with us. He kept his word. What a comfort, what a hope, what a joy, what a cause to celebrate. I hope that this Christmas, your heart will be moved to praise God today. Have you? Will you? You are never alone when you know Jesus is always with us. Three words. Remember the sermon this morning. What are three words? Say it again. God with us. Thank you. I've achieved my task. (laughs) God with us, Emmanuel. That's Christmas. Let's celebrate. Let's praise God. Let's pray.